Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenhouse. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications, and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today. Ruth, I asked Rick Spear to join us today and discuss how pricing has become the secret weapon for marketers in managing through these uncertain waters of inflation and recession. Um, you know, it's one of the most important tried and true levers for us, um, pricing is. But legacy pricing no longer gives and drives our margins. And now more than ever, it's so important to figure out what makes a, a good pricing strategy. And we're so lucky to have Rick join us. Um, his education includes Stanford and Harvard. He's currently senior advisor at Simon Kutcher and Partners, a global renowned consulting firm specializing in a strategy, marketing, pricing, and sales. So Ruth, shall I invite Rick to join us? Oh, let's get him in here. It's a terrific topic. Great. Hi, Rick. Hi, how are you doing, Cindy? Hi, Ruth. Great. So, Rick, thank you for joining us. This is really an such an interesting topic, pricing, because it's one of the four famous four P's of product, price, place, and promotion. And um, I think it's generally neglected by marketers, or maybe they delegate it to a finance person sometimes, but it's one of the four P's. So <laughs> we, we marketers need to be as um, taking a, as great advantage of it as, as possible. Would you agree? I mean, looking at the four P's, the traditional four, where do you think pricing rests in terms of importance and impact? So uh, first, first and foremost, uh, my background is, is strategy and running businesses uh, as opposed to uh, being a chief marketing officer. So work, work with a number. Um, and, uh, it's so, so going back to the question of where pricing fits in. So pricing independently of the other, the other P's, um, drives top line. If it's, it's where the rubber meets the road in terms of value proposition and go to market. Uh, yeah. if in the, the real question is, um, not just what is your pricing level, but in fact, how are you capturing value? So when we, when, at Simon Kutcher, when we think of pricing, it's always a value equation. And uh, you know, so the, the founder of Simon Kutcher, Herbert Simon, I'm a five foot six guy. So Herbert Simon is like six foot seven. So, uh, so he's literally a giant in the field. Um, and uh, you know, he's been, he started the entire firm around, predicated around the idea that pricing was always de-emphasized. Uh, in the go-to-market strategies of firms. Uh, I worked at Morgan Stanley for, for many years and I was a senior partner at Oliver Wyman, I was in charge of capital market strategy. And you know, in, in the world of capital markets, the question is, are you a price maker or are you a price taker? And, and, and the answer is, it, it really doesn't matter because if you're a price taker, you have to still take the right prices. And if you're a price maker, you, you have to think about um, 
are you taking the optimal amount of money off the table for the short term, the medium term, or the long term? And the idea is that value is constantly being redefined in the, in the, in the concept that what Amazon did for us yesterday may not be worth the same as what Amazon is doing for us tomorrow. And so, so, so pricing, in fact, represents ulti- the ultimate dynamics in terms of competitive positioning, in terms of the needs of the, of the customers or the consumers that we're trying to service, in terms of the value that the products that we're bringing to the table provide today, as well as the promise, the value those products are bringing tomorrow. That, so does that, does that help answer that question, Ruth? So it's front and center, you're saying, in business strategy overall, sounds like. It's kind of a hard thing to avoid. And if it's ignored, uh, you're probably off the rails. Yeah. So it's interesting, Rick. Uh, I think we all agree, you know, uh, Ruth and I agree uh, wholeheartedly about the importance of of price in the mix. Um, There have been some folks lately who have argued that the four P's are um, no longer valid and, you know, kind of kicked it to the curb and and that we need a a fresh way of thinking about all four P's um, based on today's customer and based on the dynamic. Um, I'd like your point of view on the, the statement we have also heard, which is, you know, hey, marketing doesn't have any control over pricing. The customer has all the control over pricing today. So if I sort of unpack the question, the first thing is four P's and being kicked to the curb. Uh, so, so, you know, obviously um, the, the four P's, what's one reason that they, they've stood the test of time is, is because there's such a broadly defined set of, of principles, right? You could add another two or three P's in there and feel perfectly comfortable, right? So, so really, the, when, I, when I think of uh, when we're trying to grow a business or we're trying to sustain a business, what is, what is the cost? What is the value? What is the drivers of winning a single point of market share? And that's a very loaded question because the question is, what's the market, right? How do you determine what the unit value is of that market? And so, you know, it, it's pretty easy when it comes to over-the-counter uh, medicine to define a market because it, there's a concrete number of people who get sick, a concrete number of people, a concrete number of competitors. And it, as you get into things like mutual funds, where the market is expanding all the time because who's going to invest that becomes more more complicated to understand so so the so i think that when it comes to the four p's the argument that because we're now in a democratized world where information is abundant and available and everyone has omniscience we, it eradicates the value of well defined promotions of well of well um, derived pricing of the value of place. Uh, Amazon is worth $1.3 trillion. It is place. And and product, I mean, if Amazon, if products meant nothing, then why go to Amazon at all? So so the idea that products are ubiquitous, you can get anything, anytime, anywhere. um, You know, products are kind of things we use. So so products, so all of the, the four Ps continue to have fundamental importance, ignoring them is like ignoring the alphabet. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so a pricing strategy 
strategist today is really charged with thinking strategically about the entire go-to-market and how to grow value for the firm, as you, you've described. And with things changing as quickly as you've reminded us they do, are there new tools and other techniques that are helping with pricing today? I'm thinking probably artificial intelligence, computer software. What what what's on the what's on the table that we didn't have, say, ten years ago? So so I think that when we think about what's changing, we sh- we should also think about what doesn't change, right? So, so the questions that we ask continue to be the same. You know, going back to what is the, what is the value and what does it take to win one point of market share is fundamentally the underlying driver of of any any tools that we're going to use to help answer that question. In, in terms of in terms of artificial intelligence um, and machine learning, you know, one of the things is is that really new. Or is what's new the fact that the computational power that we have allows us to use statistics and combine statistics with programming? And now we've defined that as is artificial intelligence. So, so you know, without getting into the details, you know, machine, supervised versus unsupervised learning, things that allow us to classify or cluster. So you can take the, the, the three of us and look at a series of our characteristics in an unsupervised learning environment say, oh, look, this kind of product might fit this type of person. And and so the idea that product market fit can be simulated using a machine learning approach, um, as opposed to going out the old fashioned way and seeing if the dogs eat the dog food, right? Stanford GSB, right? Stanford GSB, Spouses make sort of the dogs can eat dog food. William Bennett, professor who I had a chance to study under, like every every day he would go, he'd get in front of us on the board, he'd draw a circle saying, start with a product, you go to the market, it fails, you go back to the drawing board, you go to the you, you redesign the product, you go to the market. And so can machine learning circumvent that or short circuit that it can help? Is, is it is it is it a magic wand? Is it a panacea? That solves all the problems. Absolutely not. So, so one of the things that important is that it's another it's another set of tools in in the in the in the shed or weapons in the arsenal that allow us to make informed better decisions. In some cases, it actually drives pricing on a real time basis. Right. So it really depends on where you are, sort of in the layer of decisioning. So there are trading algorithms that are using machine learning to figure out what to buy and what to sell, which is price discovery at its most basic level. You know, the the idea of cosine similarities and how Netflix decides what what to recommend to you or Amazon decides what to recommend to you is absolutely driven by machine learning. So, So yes, machine learning is playing an increasingly important role where you have a vast amount of data at your disposal and you have a real-time interface, and you're trying to communicate the best answers to the right audience uh, as 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 quickly as possible. 
So yes. Yeah, so so however, how much of a role does that play in strategy? Not nearly as much. And why is that, Rick? Tell us why it wouldn't play a larger role in strategy. So strategy is not always informed by big data, right? Sometimes, sometimes a few key anecdotes are worth, you know, terabytes of data. Um, and and the the reality is that not all date, not all, not all businesses have information at the level of granularity necessary to be able to make a machine learning algorithm smart enough to help us to help us make those decisions. Uh, in an example, uh, in business to business, you're launching a software product uh, that has a relatively specialized use. You're not necessarily going to have a massive amount of machine learning available data to be able to drive the results to inform the decision. So, so therefore, you have to. You may not be able to say, "Hey, look, the random forest is telling us this." If you don't have enough information to go into the random forest, it's going to tell you very little. Right. So, this is, um, I think, reassuring for us humans to say that uh, we're not going to be replaced by AI. And I love the term you used. You know, unsupervised learning. That our our instinct, our intelligence, our know how is extremely important, uh, playing a role in in strategy and in making these informed decisions and supervised decision making. I think this is exciting for us as marketers. Uh, when we're talking, a, lo a lot of what we're talking about is very analytic. And, and, and I wonder, what are the career opportunities in pricing strategy? Where do people get the background to do this? And um, do you think this is a good field for young people coming out with degrees and what kind of degrees? So it's a lot to ask in one question, Rick, I know. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I, I'll give you anecdotal information, which sort of goes back to the idea that machine learning at this point doesn't have enough data to, to provide every decision. In fact, most decisions, but the, but the reality is that, uh, so Simon Kutcher is, arguably the leading management consulting firm specialized in pricing. It has 1,500 consultants globally uh, spread across uh, Europe, the US, and APAC, um, including Canada. Uh, so the, so, and if you look at whether it's Bain or it's BCG or it's McKinsey, um, a number of those firms have grown, or Oliver Wyman, those firms are growing their, their pricing expertise. Uh, I've done a number of engagements over the course of the past two years uh, on the behalf of private equity firms that are saying, how is pricing a lever in determining the growth of the business? So what additional value can we get if we get pricing right? In fact, Cindy, the way the two of us got to work together, got to know each other, is we're engaged uh, on behalf of a, a company uh, to look at how we go to market and optimize its existing uh, its existing product set, as well as its its to be launched product set, and shifted shifting its pricing model from a uh, subscription from from a usage based model where they were print 
charging for printed paper to a subscription model, like a SaaS-based model, where it is a, you know, if you're part of the family, you get to print a certain amount of, of money based on your subscription. And so, so there's a huge opportunity in the marketplace, Cindy and Ruth, for um, students who wish to understand pricing to enter the field. And the question is like, like what are the skill sets? Well, if you're simply quantitative, is that enough? If you're simply qualitative enough, I think this is a great left brain, right brain intersection as a field. That makes sense, yeah. Which plays right into some of our wonderful programs at WVU, um, especially our data marketing program, where we're using data to make um, better decisions. It's data-informed decision-making, which is um, the way to go, which is great. I'm glad to hear that this is a good opportunity for a career for those of us in marketing. Um, if you look at, you know, we none of us have a crystal ball, but if we did, and, you know, our program, we're trying to look just over the horizon at what might be coming. Uh, what do you see as um, some of the strategies we can use to combat, we got inflation, we got margin compression, we got competition, we're, you know, what are you seeing is where we should focus? It's hard to be focused today. So, you know, first and foremost, go, we'll go back to the, the most, the core aspect of pricing. It's about value. Now, pricing is the ultimate way of defining what's fair value for the offering, right? And, and if if you if you if you don't price it properly, you're going to get suboptimal adoption. If you if you over if you price it inappropriately, you're you're leaving money on the table. And and those are just true statements. There's no argument around that. So so the if you if you don't package something properly, like for instance, if Mercedes overloaded the S class with too many features, people people won't buy the Mercedes at the price point it has. If the, on the other hand, if they took out leather seats, they probably won't sell any S-class sedans next year, right? So, so, the, so the idea that um, where do you determine where to anchor your your efforts? It's always, am I bringing appropriate value given my pricing strategy, given my pricing levels, given my pricing metrics, and and that should always be the central question. Again, going back to how do I either gain or retain a point of market share? Am I bringing value appropriate to that equation? That in, in so how does inflation complicate that? Which I think is an implied question, Cindy. And the answer is that when people think of pricing escalators, they have to think in terms of CPI plus. They can't ignore the fact that that's just a that's just a level setter. You can't go in with I'm going to increase prices by two percent. Two percent relative to a zero inflation makes sense. But two percent doesn't make sense in an environment where inflation is a real variable, which it is. Wow. Well, this has been very enlightening, and Rick, we so appreciate the time you've spent with us and the value you've provided to us and our listeners. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. You're more than welcome. Thank, thanks to me. Great to meet you, Ruth. Good to see you again, Cindy. And uh, hope we have a chance to have another dialogue. Great. You have a great day. Thanks so much. Cindy, really, I can't thank you enough for inviting Rick to be on our program today. This whole topic of pricing, where he's such an expert, allows us to 
as marketers to think at a higher level about the four Ps, doesn't it? That pricing needs to be in that higher level. We need to figure out how are you capturing value? Absolutely. You know, when I had the opportunity to work with Rick, like you said, I was you know, very fortunate to. Um, you're having conversations, uh, you know, representing the marketer. We're having conversations that are at an entirely different level. You know, so often for marketers, we're saying, oh, let's do discount versus some other pricing strategy, dollars off versus, you know, so we're so tactical about it. And we're looking at testing and pricing to us often is at this very, very tactical level, not at what he's talking about, which is, you know, very strategic, as you said, and how pricing, you know, you need to be a price maker or a price taker, he said, but it's all about the value and pricing defines the value in the market. And it's changing all the time, which he reminds us. So this is not a, a, a done and done and done. This is an ongoing mm-hmm. challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I loved how he gave us a phrase. He said it several times. What drives the ability to win one point of market share. What a terrific theme for us to be thinking about as we develop new products, as we price our existing products, as we analyze the competition. It's a a simple but very profound question that can drive our our behavior as marketers and strategists. It is deceptively simple question, because when you ask that 1%, now you get into how do I actually quantify 1% of market share. Now, that works great for an existing product. If you're a new product entering into, if you're developing a new product, or you're going into a brand new market, what was also interesting is his discussion around where it doesn't help you, you know, to have all this data and all this yeah. information, right? I love that. History is not going to help you if you're entering into a new market or you're developing a new product. That was interesting. Yeah. That not not everything can be simulated or predicted by analyzing data. Um, I loved how he said a few key anecdotes can be more valuable than terabytes of data. We really can take satisfaction in that his point about the the left brain and right brain being uh, important in this field. And then um, he, he talked about the career potential too, not only consulting, but on applying these this kind of thinking inside a company, figuring out how to develop the right pricing model. And of course, uh, keeping in mind entirely this question of how are you capturing value? 
Right. So there are a few interesting things that he said there. Um, look at the number of consultants. One firm alone has 1,500 pricing consultants. I mean, that was pretty compelling to me. And that was just one firm of the many. Now, you don't need to be a consultant in a, in a major global firm uh, to bring impact to this conversation. Um, the other part of this is that you may never want to be a pricing um, expert. And, and this is very quantitative by nature. But as a marketer, think about if you understand this dynamic, if you understand even the strategic thinking that people at the table from the pricing standpoint are talking about, the go-to-market strategy, then you as a marketer can interpret that and to say, how can I bring value? What's my value equation to the go-to-market strategy? So if they're saying, here's how I define how to get that 1% of um, incremental market share, then I as a marketer say, here are some tactical strategies marketing could actually contribute to, to implement, to make that 1% share happen. Exactly. Now, what, what did you think about supervised versus unsupervised learning. I wasn't really sure that I got what he was saying there. What, what was your take on that, Cindy? Oh, I really liked it. It was a, a new way of describing, you know, AI when we were talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning. So there are situations where machine learning is doing it automatically in an unsupervised fashion. Like think about media buying where you're auctioning and the model is doing it on the fly immediately and pricing changes immediately without our necessary quote supervision of it on a minute by minute or real time basis. So when he said unsupervised, to me, that's machine learning doing its thing without us. Go off and do your thing. Immediate pricing changes on the fly. Supervised is what I think most of us are accustomed to, which is there's some level of AI being applied. And then there's a feedback loop. We do, we analyze, we see what it means, we revise and we redo, which is what us as marketers predominantly um, leverage AI for. So supervised to me is what we talk about often. Um, and then what he was saying is from the unsupervised is where the machine learns and goes without us. Um, and I guess in some situations with pricing, like I didn't even think of it. Think mm. of airlines. Have you Absolutely. heard how yield you management. Go, yeah, yield management on the fly. They know what the model is. They know what the scarce resource is. And it doesn't need us to intervene to make any supervised decision there. They know how to maximize yield. Very cool. So Ruth, let's summarize our three big takeaways from our conversation with Rick and see if we can um, unpack what we learned um, from our great conversation. Um, I think one of them for sure would be that um, pricing drives the top line and go-to-market strategies and value is what pricing impacts and affects the most, how I gain or retain value. Here, here. And that that value is constantly in need of being redefined because the market is changing. So 
so much. And then maybe our second takeaway, which we like to call our three pigs or our three little piggies, might be the theme that Rick brought up again and again about the question that we should be asking ourselves as marketers and as business strategists is what drives our ability to win one point of market share. Agreed. And then I think the third one should be that great insight, Ruth, that you said um, a few key insights can trump um, terabytes of data. And in some circumstances, while AI and machine learning is extremely helpful, especially in real-time pricing, um, it cannot replace what insights in market. Loved that. A few key anecdotes. And it uh, even though this is not one of our three piggies, I think we can also take a lot of satisfaction as marketers in realizing that pricing has enormous opportunity, not only for us to deliver value as professionals, but also as a career path for our, our students and um, our professional education. Agreed. Thank you, Ruth. Terrific session, Cindy. Thank you. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu slash mctoday to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive